electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Final week of April here. And the setup is big. Busiest week of earnings so far. First look at Q1 GDP. You got a Biden address to Congress plus a Fed meeting. Futures are pretty steady here as we brace for the news flow. Our roadmap begins with a massive week for earnings. More than a third of the S&P 500 is set to report. And it begins with Tesla after the bell tonight. Plus the race against COVID, Sanofi teams up with Moderna. The CDC says millions are skipping second doses and the potential risk from a rise in hesitancy surrounding J&J shot. And Bitcoin's bouncing back a bit, the world's biggest and best-known cryptocurrency, rallying from what was that seven-week low that happened just in a couple of days last week. Carl. Yeah, a lot of Bitcoin news this morning. But earnings, as we said, guys, going to be uh, the lead for most of the week. Uh, set with Tesla tonight, Jim. And then we move into some of the big fang names as we get into midweek, energy names on Friday. What's going to be the, the thing to watch? Look, I think it's going to be Apple. Uh, I think that Apple, there's a Deutsche Bank note today saying that uh, expectations are low. They announced a 20% increase in their uh, the amount of jobs they're going to create, pretty big numbers. But I, I think that this is the one that holds the key in the sense that it still is the biggest. It's done a tremendous amount of work with Macs, which I think the Mac actually could move the needle. And, David, when I look at it, it has moved substantially. And that's why I think it's important. Because a lot of stocks have moved substantially into earnings. And typically, that means sell-off. Right. So does it sell off on good news? That's what I want to know. Uh, okay. So tell me, what are your expectations? I think it doesn't sell off. I think, I think that the cycle I, – I speak to too many semiconductor companies, like Skyworks last week, mm-hmm. uh, Marvell Technologies. 5G is so strong. It's here. And maybe it's here with uh, T-Mobile. But I, I think that Verizon wants it. I thought that ATT acquitted itself very well. Uh, it was not a bad quarter for their wireless business. Right. I thought, frankly, Verizon was the weakest of the. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Yes, it was. But I think that it can triumph over the negative expectations. There is a theme, Carl, that is uh, very much plays into what Jay Powell is going to talk about if he wants to talk about inflation, which is most of the analysts I follow are saying this is the peak quarter. Now, David Costin. I think, with his excellent note last night, is really talking about peak quarter. If it's peak quarter, why raise rates, Carl? No need. That's, uh, that's exactly what the, the Fed would probably say, Jim. And, and to quote Costin, uh, he says domestic growth uh, is peaking and forward equity returns are likely to be modest with a 3% gain in the S&P to our year-end target. They're looking for 4300 Jim. Does that make sense to you? Um, that uh, with peak growth and, and peak positioning, some argue that we sort of just churn our way around here for at least the summer. 
I, I, it's funny. I, I love Costin. I turned, I turned to my wife after I read it. It was like Sunday, and I read the thing. I said, hey, one of my faves is real negative. And, you know, Costin doesn't regard it as being negative. I'm sure he doesn't. But He would never say negative. He would never say no, negative. No, not allowed to say negative. But if you're peak, you, you can't be as bullish. 3% from here is not exactly overly exciting. No. No. No, I think Costin's got to be called out on this. Yeah. He was basically saying, hey, you know what? We're kind of done. Yeah. If that's his target, yeah. then he's sort yeah. of saying that, right? I mean, I finished now, it, and I said, Dave, I'm not going to read you way, anymore. Might be right, so, <laughs> you know, call him out. Not, it's just, it, it, he might very well be right. Who knows? But, but then he had all the you know, charts of all the earnings, Carl, and I thought the earnings looked good. The estimates looked good. But it was a real buzzkill. I mean, Costin joined yeah. that group of people who just said, you know, hey, good to see you. Come back later. And, and I was hoping yeah. he would say, we're going to see earnings. I mean, I was I was on the phone with Judy, Judy Marks today from Otis. Oh, my. I mean, there's the beginning of the opening of the U.S. 18 percent orders, 10 percent organic growth. Carl, when you speak to her, she just get out of New York. She says, get out of New York. You will see cranes everywhere. Mm. Atlanta. Houston, West Coast. Yep. And I love this. And this is going to just be right in David's face. Mm. David keeps saying there's no business travel. No, I didn't say there's no. I'm questioning whether it's going to come back to the levels that it once had in 2009. All right. So that was that a, is a, a misstatement. No, it's just hyperbole. Yes. But um, one of the things she said was, you ask, do you have, are you vaccinated? Right. And if you're vaccinated, I'll then- come see you. That's the dial. Even if the CDC or whatever, there's whole, you know, the Florida governor, you can't restrict people to do that. But what's amazing is business people, David, if they know that you're vaccinated and I'm vaccinated, well, you know what? We're going to dinner. Right. It's big. It's big. And you and I are going to go to dinner. Don't you think it's big? Can't wait till Carl can join us. I think it's big. Yeah, it's It's big. Certainly not in Costin's wheelhouse. No. No, but Carl, I, I, you know, I still think there is a question to be asked in terms of whether business travel and or activity on that level will come back to the levels it once saw in 2019. Perhaps internal travel, that that desire for an executive to go see there, you know, that may be muted for some time as opposed to when you're competing for customers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what Gary Kelly's to, uh, Kelly of Southwest told us last week, guys, and that is uh, long term, it's a difficult call because you don't know what kind of role these new tech tools that we have are going to play in those kinds of marginal decisions within corporate about travel and, and, uh, and, and budgets in general, really. But we're going to see. Jim, I mean, to your broader point, though, Scott Gottlieb, uh, an op-ed in the journal today talking about uh, the masks probably need to get dropped, at yes. least outdoors. And there's a report on the CNN today that the president will essentially announce something like that Good. tomorrow. Uh, meanwhile, you got more counties and states saying we don't need as much vaccine. Stop sending us so much because the bookings at uh, vaccination sites are, are not getting filled as much. No, nope. Carl, uh, we're booking for Italy today. Yeah, but meanwhile, are you not concerned that 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 demand for the vaccine seems to be ebbing uh, uh, because we have not vaccinated nearly everybody in the country? But the older the people who need to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Olders, yeah, elderly, yeah, looks like they're vaccinated. Yep. Uh, there are people still getting vaccinated, mm-hmm. but remember, Israel at sixty percent really showed a really huge showed, reduction. Yeah, huge reduction. In so, uh, and I, I keep reading the negative stories, but I keep seeing the numbers go down. You look at Johns Hopkins numbers; they're not bad. No, and no. I feel confident to go to Italy. Good. 
I do. Uh, so do I. I want to go to Europe. By the way, I also feel confident to walk down the streets without wearing a mask. I feel the and same And I'm way. happy to see that they're finally going to catch up with what seems to have been the reality for some time, which right. is the likelihood of you catching the virus by walking past somebody for that millisecond would seem to be extraordinarily unlikely. It's, yeah, it's inside. And, <laughs> and uh, as it gets warmer out, Carl, I'm sure you can attest to this as another New Yorker. It's, you, know, you don't want to be walking with a mask if you can avoid it. So uh, that is going yeah. to be welcome news. Indeed. And that is sort of already culturally the norm in states like Florida, yes. but for the Northeast. Uh, you got to convince New Yorkers to get get on the train. Here's what Gottlieb said on Squawk earlier today. The weather's warming up. We have the opportunity to bring more activities outside. We know activities outside are lower risk than things done indoors. I think the reluctance of public health officials always is that it's a one-way street, that when you lift requirements, you're not going to be able to reimpose them. So they want to make sure that the trends are, in fact, down. But the trends are down. The gains that we're seeing right now against the virus are being solidified through vaccination and immunity in the population. So then, Jim, I guess the question is on these reopening names, where in some cases enterprise value is back to pre-COVID levels, right? Um, Whether or not this sort of grand reopening is already priced in. Well, I've got to know. I, look, we trade these, uh, these cruise lines. Yeah. And I know that Frank Del Rio, I'm sure we'll talk about the fact that he's highly paid. I think he's worth it. Frank Del Rio, Norwegian, has sent a letter to CDC saying, listen, we are completely, we want to, we want to, we want to ship. We just, we got, you got to let us cruise. Uh, we're, we're testing everybody. Everybody uh, before they go on. Yeah. A- and we're, they got to be vaccinated. So let us cruise. And what's the CDC come back? They say they're jammed. Can't make a decision. Well, they've got to make a decision. They're jammed. They've got, to, they've got to move forward on a lot of this stuff. By the way, you've got to open your restaurants up already. I mean, New York is it's hard to crazy. Get, it's hard hopping. to get Everything, insurance. Everything's packed. You can't it's even get a get reservation anywhere. Why? Because they're so busy. I'm trying to get a broker to come and give us the insurance we need for fire. That we've agreed to put in any alarm. They're too busy, David. They're too busy. They're too busy. But you had the insurance previously, so you don't. Well, you have to re up. You have to re up. You, cl- you know, they didn't count if you would. Well, I mean, get to it, man, because you're missing David, an opportunity it's like I'm here. Begging you really these people. are. I mean, I, I mean, it's great. Everything's everything's. I mean, I'm talk begging. about the, animal spirits. People are out in force well, everywhere. Restaurants have reopened and opened. Carl, uh, uh, the blocks are jammed. They're pouring out of them the, it, and it, on, into the streets where they can, of course, eat as well. So it is. Carl, it's a boom. It's a boom. There's nothing else to call it other than a boom. And I don't think it's peaking a la David Kossin, who will absolutely hate that I said that. So you do think that even that is reflective of overall what you would consider to be increased demand and therefore something that would be positive for the economy and the stock market? I think we're laggard. I think that the vast majority of, of analysts that I read say this is it. This last quarter is it. That is the prevailing thought. And I disagree with that. I want to I want to lean into I just want to say lean in. Um, I just think that they're wrong. (laughs) Carl, they're wait. I know. Imagine I want to lean in. I saw a guy want to lean into covid. Why why would you want to lean into COVID? I want to lean into covid. (laughs) What's the point of that? I mean, because he vaccinated so much that he wants to lean in. I don't know what that means. I read it in one of these reports. I think it was a rail, Carl. There was a rail guy who said, listen, if we lean into covid, I said, well, you lean into covid. (laughs) Who would do that? Well, Jim. (laughs) <laughs> it, it sort of brings to mind two things. One is that B of A made a call very much like this back in November where they said sell the vaccine on peak positioning and what they thought was peak growth back then. That was six months ago. So the question is, are they, is that notion finally right? 
But to your broader point about the reopening and companies that have uh, restructured and reset costs, look at this Apple announcement today, doubling down on investment in the United States, $430 billion in the next five years, 20,000 jobs, a billion alone in North Carolina on this new hub. That's going to feed this notion that you're talking about a rolling a rolling reopening and recovery for the economy. Yes. I mean, I read that and I said, well, look, they obviously the Congress of Apple has agreed. Wow, the Congress number. of Apple's putting up 20,000 high, high jobs in all sorts of cities. North Carolina was very, very special, but they've already met their uh, goals in a lot of different places. And I feel like that they are um, they are providing the kind of jobs that I know Washington would like to provide. And that is going to be meaningful to the economy. Now, some people will be cynical and say they already, you know, these are they've already committed to a lot of jobs that they would have done already. Yes. Yes. A lot of it is already part of a forward commitment they've made or plans to grow. Right. Right. But the North Carolina hub was very interesting. Yes. And was unexpected. Yep. Silicon development. 5G, of course, as you mentioned uh, earlier. Austin. We're talking about Boulder. I mean, oh, these places are on fire. Have you been to Boulder? Uh, not recently. Cranes, cranes, cranes. Austin, cranes, cranes, cranes. That's where, listen, it's where a lot of the growth is, as you know. A lot of businesses are moving there. It's about cranes, David. It's, it's, it's like about, plastic. It's about cranes. cranes. It's about cranes. Yeah. Houston cranes. Yeah. Atlanta cranes. Houston cranes, Atlanta cranes. Yes, it's Otis. Yeah, Denver Look cranes. Look at Otis's numbers. Uh, you're all, you really, that Otis call really well, got you I mean, going, he, huh? Well, I think the Otis call is, is, is I think it's meaningful. How's China. China's got China's a lot of cranes. China's very strong. Yeah. China's way ahead China's of us. China's always had a lot if of cranes. If Europe comes back, it's going to be insane. Look at it. Net sales up 14.9. Organic up 10.3. Do you think Procter & Gamble's got numbers like that? It's a nice number. Organic growth, 10.3%. New equipment orders, 18.4. It's not lasers anymore, son. It's elevators. It's elevators. Yes. Carl, it's escalators. Escalators, too? Yes. Okay. I thought this was the most important report of the morning. Here, David, you want to check it out? Maybe Throw it at me. Maybe you want to read it, David. I got you. What do I need to read it for? And David, even David, if I read it, I wouldn't get to talk about David it. David hasn't even talked, Carl, about Proofpoint. No, which, I, we will get to that. That's an enormous me. deal. It's is an it, enormous deal. Don is mentioned it in your, the squad. I got the is note. it in your What I'm Watching? Jim does a What I'm Watching every morning. I, I don't do. know. You think I read that? Come I'm, on. Oh, jeez. Gary emailed me this morning. <laughs> Gary Steele. The guy. Oh, you don't care. <laughs> He's only the CEO. I completely <laughs> care about everything. I just know that you I'll hear from you. You care about GameStop like and AMC and Ocugen. That's what you care about. Ocugen? It's a meme stock. Oh. Carl, <laughs> let's take a commercial break and we'll we, be back. We are yeah. going to get to what David's watching. We'll Thank talk you. some rails, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of news on Bitcoin today. Got some calls on Etsy, downgrade of Best Buy and some other stuff. Don't go away. Futures are steady. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Bitcoin rebounding today after falling below 50K late last week. As you know, it's on track to snap a five-day losing streak, but well below the record highs that were set earlier this month in the mid-60s. Jim, bunch of incremental uh, bits of news. Uh, Camping World establishing some payment options. Sean Culkin of the Kansas City Chiefs reportedly going to, on the street.com, has got a piece about how he's going to immediately convert his salary this year to Bitcoin. Well, look, I I think that it's a credible store of value. Uh, it's certainly doing better than gold. Uh, I agree with the um, Novogratz theories that I think Novogratz is the primary uh, backer. And I think and Pomp, they're both very smart. It's about scarcity. There are just there's no scarcity of dollars, Carl. There's just scarcity of Bitcoin. And scarcity draws people. There's scarcity of gold. They only find 1% more gold. That's one of the reasons why people like gold. But I'm a believer in this. I'm not a believer in Dogecoin because I think that Dogecoin was uh, created as a joke. And it's hard for me suddenly, David, it's hard for me to just say, well, it was created for a joke, but it's real. Right. Right. That's your answer to me. It's a joke. Well, I just said that. Yes. So it's hard for you to imagine it's real. That's also what you just said. Could you not mimic me? I'm not mimicking you. Different thesis, Brian? I have no different thesis. I agree with you. I think think you have such a hard time when I agree with you. You don't know how to respond. Well, I'm I'm kind of flummoxed. Yeah. But uh, I'm flummoxed. But, Carl, I think (laughs) that Dogecoin is sport. Uh, When I go to Portnoy at Barstool, I'd like a, a book made. I'd like them to make a book, make book on Dogecoin because it's a sport. We had a guest earlier who was saying it's a game. A fun game. And I was like aghast. A fun game is gambling. And I don't believe that gambling should be encouraged, Carl. And I felt like that after she talked, maybe we we should not talk about Dogecoin. I I know. I heard you giving um, Squawk some some pushback on even the booking of of Coindesk, by the way, chief strategy officer, who I think did mention, Jim, at least Coindesk this morning, has said that J.P. Morgan is going to launch an actively managed a Bitcoin fund for private wealth. Well, I just hope that in that there are two not all. How about this? Not all cryptocurrencies are created equal. And I think that what we do is we exclude some that we don't think are uh, storeholds of value and we keep ones in. I mean, I think that uh, Ethereum is you have to buy certain things. There, there are places in the world, Carl, which just say, listen, you can only buy things with Ethereum. It's like maybe you can only buy, you can only buy a, a Boeing plane in dollars. Uh, so I get that. They can force us toward that. But I don't hear anyone. I don't see anyone from, say, the Colts taking uh, Dogecoin. OK, I think maybe, David, the Jets 
Even they, David, have rejected Dogecoin. The Jets have rejected it. Give us time. Give us time. Are the Mets taking Dogecoin? No, the Mets are not. The Mets are, are, I think we're we're one game over 500. We're in the lead in the division. Your Phillies are not playing well. Yeah, we lost yesterday. Yeah, we won. Bryce Harper, he wants dollars. Bryce Harper wants dollars. They should have paid him in Dogecoin. Oh, wow. Carl, there's an insult. Yeah, yes. The Knicks get paid in whatever they want. They get to decide. Guys, uh, we'll take a break here. A lot more Squawk in the Street in a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Just in time. All right, we got a bad dash coming up. Yeah. Uh, We also have an opening bell about six and a half minutes from now. You want to talk a little Best Buy? Well, I just, we got a downgrade today, but I just want to talk about the notion of what's going on. Best Buy is the, wow, that's a good chart, is the epitome of what I keep reading, which is that, okay, uh, William Sonoma's going too far. We should stop buying William Sonoma. Best Buy, it's going too far. We should stop buying Best Buy. But, David, the companies are doing so well. What makes us think that it's time to go? And I keep saying, you, like William Sonoma, I've had one, and uh, Laura Albert. It, 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 90 people thought it was over. Right. RH, the old restoration hardware. At 400 people thought it was over. David, it's not over until the fat lady sings and she's not singing. Which is the point you were making at the top of the show well, and I, sort of disagreeing to a certain extent it, with Costin's forecast for the overall market. Costin? Costin? I like him. No, I know you do. But I just find, look, and then you, you see Honeywell and Union Pacific both down hideously last Friday. Nothing but defenders. Why? Because business is so good. So business is really great and everyone wants to see through when it's over. And I am saying it's too early. Too early to see through. These companies keep delivering and delivering, and the analysts keep getting negative. I think they're going to be wrong. You do. It's the cost in factor. Right. It's like, well, a, you know, it's in, like a Netflix right, series. But at least the if they're trying to be realistic and they're actually saying maybe it's time to take profits, you can't well, blame sometimes. Analysts rarely do that. So. Well, look, there was a, a fellow from, from Key who downgraded Etsy. Why? Because he's up 800%. I like that. I like that. There's a guy declaring victory. Right. But, David, for the most part, I don't want to sell Best Buy. We could, we could be. I have tractor supply on tonight, oh. David. I have tractor supply. Oh, you vaccin- you're vaccinated. I am. I am. Well, tractor supply says you it's just beginning. All right, we got an opening bell coming up. <laughs> about ninety seconds to the opening bell on this Monday. Keep your eye on the auto space, Jim. FT's got a piece about Volkswagen warning that the auto chip shortage will force a bigger production cut in Q2 than in Q1. And we're going to no, definitely no. look to Ford to see if they ratify that. I think that we're starting to see the end of the end of the tightness, Carl. I was doing a lot of work on Skyworks on Friday. Uh, I think Skyworks, when they made this acquisition from Silicon Labs, uh, will be able to make a lot more chips. Uh, I see uh, Taiwan Semi starting to talk about making lower end ch- uh, chips. 
which is what you need. Uh, the auto companies need. I think that uh, as much as I like Volkswagen, I, I, I have a feeling that they are out of step with what's been happening in the last 72 hours. And the last 72 hours have been very good news for a lot of the auto companies. And I think the fourth quarter is going to surprise people. Uh, and this is that this is weekend. This is stuff I did over the weekend. Uh, so I'm feeling quite confident that things are about to change. Remember, the reason why the autos didn't have any relief is because they're making the lowest end. Uh, David, it's the lowest end chips, and it was not uh, advantageous. Taiwan Semi saying, we'll do it for you. It's big. Skyworks. Hmm. All right, that's a little out of consensus because they do seem well, to keep indicating see, this is going to go on well, longer than people anticipated initially. Well, I, I, I'm very homework-driven, David. Amen to that, Carl. No, it's true, Jim. You're, it's We've tried to make that point a couple of times that the automakers don't necessarily have the biggest leverage because their part of the mix is not the biggest. And certainly, as you said, not at the top of the pricing structure. But we'll see if um, they can make this the worst of it that well, we're in right now. Right, it would we'll be hear, great news. Right. Overall. We'll hear from Ford. I, I have I happen to think that you're, the tone is going to change. But someone got to Taiwan Semi and said, look, you know, enough. Start making them. And I think it's very significant. Uh, we'll hear from AMD this week. Uh, maybe they're not uh, auto, but I do think that there is an easing. Cisco said there's no easing on DRAM, David. No easing on DRAMs. Right. Yeah. But these are not DRAMs. These are very low-end chips. Right. That has not been, uh, product, been uh, lucrative. But I think Ford and GM are going to be surprised that the chips come. That there's going to be more supply yes. than they think. Yes. All right, good. Be helpful. Got to sell cars, trucks. Exactly. Yes. David. Exactly. <laughs> uh, something else is selling cybersecurity. You know oh. that. I uh, did want to talk about that Proofpoint deal. Uh, we mentioned it briefly. Of course, Dom Chu uh, covered it at the end of uh, Squawk Box. It is $12.3 billion. It's all cash. It's a leveraged buyout uh, again. Uh, very active, of course, uh, at Toma Bravo. Uh, they have been. They continue to be. Uh, what is it? 36% is the um, uh, premium over uh, the, what they're calling a three-month volume-weighted average closing right. price that is through, uh, through Friday, um, represents about nine times, I'm looking at a couple analysts here, let's call it around nine times estimates of the company's fiscal 22 revenue. Um, I got Wedbush saying here, fair but attractive valuation in their opinion. There is that 45-day go shot that we often see as a part of these go-private transactions where they have the opportunity to at least uh, look for other potential offers that would be above what uh, Toma Bravo's paying, Jim. But uh, it goes to what is the continued sort of pace of acquisition in, broadly speaking, this arena. Well, look, I think that this is precisely what I'm talking about, about the market being reasonably valued. Proof puts an expensive stock. Mm-hmm. Gary Steele, remarkable CEO. He's done a fantastic job. And yet, David, he gets an all-cash deal after all the value creation he's done. So what does that say about companies out there? This is an expensive deal. Gary Steele did well for his shareholders. Nine times next year's revenue is usually a pretty good, pretty good multiple, one would think, although I don't know what the peers are for this company and what their, what their multiples are, Jim, although I would assume it's less, at least, obviously, yeah, well, on a takeout. You are typically paying a control premium. Well, Gary's, you know, he's got a cloud business. He's a cloud native. Uh, I, I think that now everybody's going to start looking at, at some very expensive companies. Mm-hmm. CrowdStrike, they'll look at. 
now it's a new Republican company. It doesn't want to be sold. But I never thought that Gary Steele's been on uh, Mad Money, I don't know, maybe a dozen times. Right. I, I never heard for a minute that he would sell out. But, Carl, when you get a bid like that, you're, you may not, it may take forever to get your, it may take, no, uh, it may take a couple of years to get your stock where that is. And I applaud Gary. I, 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 I he says, he, he does security. You know, remember, he's software as a service for cybersecurity and compliance company. And I think it's a remarkable deal, Carl. And it says you should not be selling all this tech because you hear it's too high. I would have said this is in, in, among the companies that was too expensive, if you believe that. So I'm... I think this um, is a great sign for the market. It is a sizable deal, Carl, oh, we should mention. One With of the larger buyer. ones we've seen in terms of private equity for some time. I mean, you have to write a very large, fairly large uh, equity check for these. Obviously, you're taking on a good amount of debt as well. But getting above $12 billion, we haven't seen that too often. Oh. Um, but another sign of sort of confidence overall. And obviously, as we said, Tomo Bravo has been very active and has had quite a good track record. Therefore, their ability to gather new funds and deploy them in this way. Very strong. Interesting, guys. Uh, speaking of um, things at higher prices, Jim, uh, B of A, uh, Savita's got a piece out this morning looking at the number of mentions of inflation on uh, corporate earnings calls uh, tripling year on year. Uh, well, 3X, but, biggest jump in our history since 2004. But it, it's concentrated. It, it, it's steel. It's polyethylene. It's lumber. It, it's not. And polyethylene, by the way, we're going to get a thaw. We're beginning to get the rebuild of the plants that were that were taken offline by Yuri. It was much worse than we think. But I think the inflation is concentrated. And I am I, I, I know that I waffle. David, I often waffle. I know that I waffle on this, but it is concentrated inflation. And it's not really hitting wage inflation as much as you think. In other words, people aren't making more money. No, not yet, although we bring on CEOs who have jobs at the lower end, to be fair, but can't fill them. Can't fill them. Well, they should pay more. That's, we'd go back to that, and then they, well, you know, people want to just stay home and not work while they're collecting uh, benefits that are inaccessible. We can pay them. You, that's you what, pay that's the answer that you pay. get from a number of these CEOs of uh, fast casual restaurants and things of that nature. They should pay more. They should just go and listen to the conference call from Chipotle where they're perfectly willing to pay more. And isn't that the best anyway? That would be what you want. Right. They have right? the highest uh, average unit volume and they pay uh, great wages and they don't want to, they, they don't have a problem. Just like Costco doesn't. Costco pays the most. Costco and has good benefits and has, too. Yes. And has the best numbers. As always, I know it's always defied Please. sort of um, I mean, people, the, some of their competitors have moved more towards them as opposed to the right. other way. Well, but. you know, Carl, and Jim Sinegal, when he retired, he explained to him, I said, why do you pay more? And he goes, it's very simple. When you have people who have turnover, you have to train them for at least three months and you make nothing off those people. So yep. why not just pay people more and have them stay? And the turnover at Costco is incredibly low. And the turnover at other stores is very high. So they have a lot of people who are either being trained or have to be doing have to train them. And that is cost cost them much more than if what Costco does. And that's what's going on. Yeah. No, no the, the friction of, uh, of hiring and, and uh, adding onboarding new workers is huge, Jim. Uh, it does remind me, though, uh, companies that have been talking about higher costs, 
Boston Beer uh, gets, uh, I think, a, a price target cut over its city today. Uh, no, they go to neutral on Sam, right? Isn't that right, Jim? Uh, but yeah, in a company they... that we were worried about uh, input costs, and then they saw margins up year on year last week. I thought that was truly a bad call, that downgrade. Truly. Oh, yeah, I got it. Sorry. I was thinking about what I'm going to talk about with the rails. I just was looking at you. I just flew in from San Francisco and boy, my arms are tired. tired, Sam had a great quarter, truly picked up share. Everyone thought, Carl, that hard seltzer, that there's so many competitors that these people would be hurt. They did. They put up a fantastic quarter. You did it as the mad dash on Friday. I remember that. I thought it was great. It was. I know you said that. But you're very happy with it. The analyst wants to call the top. How many people have to come in and call the top? I am not a top caller. (laughs) No, but you don't don't want to get an analyst for for actually being somewhat negative to neutral. I find, I mean, they're typically way more often positive than anything else. So I think that's starting to change. It does. I mean, there have been a number of analysts who are are getting you the wrong way this morning. Well, they're irritating me. Yeah. Yes, they are. Guys, I, I did want to hit the rails again, if that's possible. Uh, this, you know, it's it's a sort of an unprecedented bidding uh, war we may enter into, or at least uh, this fight over um, Kansas City Southern. Uh, a lot of news over the weekend to get to, and I want to try and cut through it for people who may be sort of their eyes glazing over already. Like, well, no, what's, stop what's really that. all right? Sorry, I, no, it's more Jim about the complexity of the review from the STB that STB, can confuse yes. people. Okay. Uh, But as you see it there, uh, Kansas City Southern above 300. Listen, Canadian Pacific got news this week and they say it's good. And it is. They're going to be able to review their deal, the STB, under the so-called old merger rules. So they got waived from the new rules, even though they're they're 20 years old, um, which should make it an easier antitrust review, simply said. Uh, CN, for its part, said we don't even really I mean, if you do them under the old rules, maybe you want to do us. But we actually prefer if you do us under the new rules, more stringent rules. They feel as though that will actually appeal more to the shippers, many of whom are coming out in favor of the CP deal. And now this morning, a lot of whom are coming out in favor as well of the CN deal, sort of this almost you could call it the war of shipper letters. That's a that's a thing. I guess I'm making it a thing. But the most important decision that will be made here by the STB will be whether they allow uh, both companies to pursue a so-called voting trust, um, which seems highly likely, of course, for the CP deal, given they've already gotten this waiver, but it's also still seen as likely for the CN deal. That removes the risk to shareholders. And that says to the board, well, you're going to get paid even if this thing doesn't go through or takes two years for the review the money is going to actually go into the trust. Uh, it will, therefore, you will, as a shareholder, get your money, uh, and then the trust is created to hold the stock uh, that has been purchased. Wow, so that takes the risk away. It is. That's the key thing here. Will they get the voting trust? Uh, and right now, it does appear likely that in the next couple of weeks, they're going to sign up the CN deal unless CP comes back with a higher offer. I think that is simply said that's based on a lot of reporting at this point. Over the weekend, Kansas City Southern says, yes, this is likely to lead to a superior proposal. There's due diligence to be done. It could take a couple of weeks. But the expectation is after that, they are most likely going to say, hey, I mean, they're not going to get a shareholder vote, Jim, if they were to stick with the old deal, right. given where the stock price is right. trading far above what the old deal is right. worth. You're never going to get a shareholder approval. So then it comes back to Keith Creel, 
who we were talking about, the CEO uh, of Canadian Pacific, who was pretty outspoken in those comments during that conference call, saying, well, our leverage ratio is here. How much do we really want to take it up? And seems to basically just be fighting this on antitrust grounds and the perceived risk of doing the other deal as opposed to a willingness to potentially come higher. But that's what he's going to have to do, Jim, if they really want to try and still compete. Okay, so what's the it role of seem- What's the role of a very negative Union Pacific on this deal? What do you mean? Uh, on, fr- on the call Friday, yeah, he said that, that, that this is just a really bad deal, anti-competitive. Which one? Oh, either, either one, one, right? Either one. It's, listen, the STB is the one that's going to rule on right. this. They're going to be listening to the shippers. That's why every day you get, you know, today it's CN submits refiling notice of intent. I mean, it's the, sorry, CN receives overwhelming stakeholder support for combination with Kansas City Southern, citing 409 letters from stakeholders supporting the transaction. That's what the STB is going to be listening to, is yes, the shippers. You're absolutely right. And, and that's where a lot of this is going to come down. And again, if they were not to get the voting trust, that changes the entire complexion of their deal uh, and makes it very difficult, one would argue, for the uh, Kansas City Southern Board to say, OK, go ahead, because then you're taking on enormous risk that your shareholders are have to going to bear, uh, as opposed to the other way, which is, well, uh, Kansas, uh, Canadian nationals taking that risk because right. it's all going in the voting trust. So well, it's a huge, we can try and make it yeah. simple for people to sort of understand, which is CP's probably got to come back with a higher offer. Voting trust is the key. And the shippers on right. both sides, they're getting everybody in line. It is a great deal for whoever gets it. You know, they're paying 20 times EBITDA. That's what their that's what their bid is. And I put that in perspective. Buffett bought Burlington Northern for eight times. Wow. So that just gives you a sense as to wow. where CN is in terms of the value of their bid. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's... And one reason why, listen, Buffett's name's around. Would he ever consider stepping in as well? But, but they, he, SDB typically, would not, he doesn't usually want to compete ever no, in those kinds of... No, in a, yeah. um, Carl? Guys, kind of reminds me, got a record high on the transports this morning. S&P trading above the record close, but we're not quite to uh, an all-time high. Uh, let's see. Let's get to uh, Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Yes, as all eyes continue to focus on what has been a pretty aggressive year for the Dow and the uh, S&P, actually all three indices at various points. And if you look at an intraday of tenure, you can clearly see at 830 Eastern something changed. Yes, we definitely had a weaker than expected, seasonally adjusted preliminary look at March durable goods. But do keep in mind that seasonal adjustment, the entire process, is really scratch your head in 2020 and 2021 due to obvious circumstance. So many continue to look at not only seasonally adjusted numbers, but non-seasonally adjusted numbers. Why am I bringing this up? Because they're pretty good for durable goods. And I bring that up because this Thursday, of course, we get our first look at first quarter GDP, and it could be a number close to 7%, which is going to be big, big, big. Now, if you look at a one week of 10s, even with today's activity, everything blends together. What jumps out at you? 152, 152 and a half. Good yield support, currently a very important closing level technically to pay attention to. Remember last week, Bank of Canada, first to announce that they are going to taper. Well, look at a one-year chart of Canadian 10 years. Can you pick out anything last week that changed the sideways look of that chart? No, because pretty much investors understand that things are going to get hot at some point. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when for every economy. Really, at this point, it's who's going to be having their debutante economic party first. Certainly looks like the U.S. is 
towards the front of the line. And finally, the dollar index. Here's a March and April together. Why is this so important? Remember how exciting March was? Basically, the dollar index virtually had a 45 degrees straight up. You notice what April is? Basically a 45 degrees straight down, pretty much giving all of last month back. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see you in a bit. Rick Santelli. So uh, uh, risk on, I guess, on the Monday morning, you got financials, energy, industrials uh, leading with utilities and healthcare uh, lagging behind. Goldman and AXP are going to lead the Dow up 90. We're back in a minute. Pandemic did not stop many companies from making big payouts to CEOs last year. You saw the Times piece perhaps over the weekend citing some data from Equilar. They show that Paycom's Chad Richardson, the uh, highest paid CEO last year, $211 million in comp. Uh, T-Mobile's former chief, John Ledger, GE's Larry Cull, Pilton's Chris Nassetta round out the top five. We should remind viewers this is total comp, includes everything, including uh, stock. But, Jim, they do point out um, the average ratio of CEO pay to average workers now, 320. Uh, in 89, that ratio was about 61 to 1. Yeah, uh, that's the problem. And when uh, Ronald Reagan was president, it was they were very close together. I think that these are the kinds of things that will come up when President Biden, David, talks about the tax code mm-hmm. and how ridiculous it is that these people make so much. Uh, most of it is stock-based comp, right? right? Now, all that was done to try to align the incentives for the people who run these companies right. with those who invest in these companies. Right. Uh, and that has been the case. And many of those companies that we saw have done fairly well. Not all as well as you would expect, right. given the level of compensation. But, I mean, I look at a Rutledge at the bottom of the list. I mean, the man has made hundreds of millions of dollars. But you know what? Charter has hit levels that very few expected it would as a company. uh, I saw there Um, uh, Bob Backus was on the list now. Is that pre? Yeah, Uh, I know. Was that pre-Archegos? I'm not quite sure. You know, I have to check with Equilar as well and see. But again, it's and Culp. Listen, you you know, he's being richly rewarded for what he has done at GE. Um, and the numbers are staggering in some way. But again, right. it's not salary. It is largely based on, on uh, RSUs or options, just right. largely stock-based compensation. That's what and, we're talking And that about. was agreed upon by the board. Yep. Uh, yes, David, they tend to look at other companies to see what they're doing. And yes. that's a, kind of the scandal is that everybody looks at everybody's comps. Right. Uh, but Larry Culp was a coup to get. Right. Now, there, is there, you know, is there a provision that lets you take it back if things suddenly turn around or if you find out? That's the, that is another question. Because if one year, okay, five years, ten years, you know, how do you actually measure it? Good question. Um, and how do you effectively measure it, Carl, to really to make sure it has been long-term value that's been created and not simply certain things that were done to sort of get numbers moving in the right direction in the stock price for a shorter period of time? Yeah, indeed. And then there's you know, the, the added dynamic, guys, about uh, if, if getting your valuation higher is a function of resetting your costs and therefore laying off workers, what, what are the uh, externalities, Jim, socially uh, between going uh, to, say, technology at the expense of labor, uh, even as your CEOs are getting richer? What happens to the workers that you let go? Years and years I met with uh, President Clinton about this. And I said, the stocks fly when you lay off people. Maybe we should give the workers who are laid off stock. And he said, absolutely. That is a great idea. We're going to follow up on that. (laughs) 
Still waiting. <laughs> I got a Diet Coke. Uh, it's a Diet Coke. It's a good piece uh, worth taking a look at from the Times over the weekend. We're back in just a minute. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. All right. When you're making acquisitions in tech and you make them to diversify away from a particular area, stock goes up. That's one of the reasons why I like the advanced micro deal with Xilinx. Skyworks, oh, uh, on Thursday, they bought a, a piece of Silicon Labs that allows them to be an Internet of Things, allows them to be an automotive. And it's a major diversification. A lot of people uh, say that they were too close to Apple. Now, of course, you're not supposed to mention Apple. But uh, and Liam Griffin, when he was on Mad Money on Friday, did not. But the idea that this company is no longer just cell phone means that it's worth a lot more than up six. And I think people uh, who recognize diversity away from cell phones get much higher multiples. David, Skyworks is too cheap because people feel if cell phones slow, then there's nothing. You know, it sells at 19 times earnings. That's over. Right. Well, they were always, weren't they considered to be the largest single provider to Apple? I mean, in terms of the phone itself and exactly, what went in there? David, exactly. Now they've got other businesses, including automotive, and we know how hot automotive is. It was a brilliant acquisition. And they paid with, you know, cash. They right. borrowed money. They borrowed money at like 2%. Deal, like 2%. Not bad. Not bad. Nope. If you could get a mortgage of 2%, you'd be You can make happy. things pretty accretive when yeah. you're borrowing a 2%. So, so, Carl, this one can go much higher. It's no longer just hostage to Apple. Uh, interesting, Jim. Yeah, uh, not- and then uh, tonight, tractor supply? Oh, boy. Hal Lawton, tractor supply. used to be at Macy's. This is the fastest-growing retailer in the country. Uh, David, there are 42,000 people who are from Tractor Supply. Remember you used to dismiss me when mm. I would talk about Tractor Supply and Ulta? Mm-hmm. Well, it shows that you were completely wrong when you dismissed me. Mm. And I, I don't mind that. Mm. No. no yeah, it doesn't bother sure. me one bit completely that you wrong. ridiculed Did me every time I mentioned Tractor Supply. Ridiculed you and dismissed you. Really? Yeah. Was it that yeah. bad? Was so, it that tough? Yeah. yeah. And then I got some other people, David. I, I, that, yeah, you got, got a lot Hartford. of people. Yeah. That's it. That's a deal. And Cleveland Cliffs. Hartford is still being somewhat sought by Chubb, so I'd be curious to hear the CEO tonight. Cleveland Cliffs got a downgrade today. The CEO does not like downgrades. I suspect that the downgrader is going to have his bell rung. Not a (laughs) snot bubble, just a bell rung. Thank you. Uh, Jim, that's uh, that's, that's reason to tune in all by itself. We'll see you at 6. Mad Money with Jim Cramer tonight on CNBC. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.